BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and I am stoked on this one. It is with a lord by the name of Brooke McDonald. Uh, Brooke is a... He's a member of the Gypsy Gang, not only as an interview guest, but he is also a listener of the podcast. He's one of us people, literally one of the Gypsy Gang on both fronts. Uh, he has had a pretty insane 12 months. Uh, Brooke broke his back uh, this time last year at World Champs, and basically we spoke to him right after he ended up racing the World Champs uh, this year. So he has an incredible, incredible story. I'm so stoked we were finally able to get him on. Really wanted to do this one in person. And I feel like Brooke is going to make the trip over at some point uh, when it is possible to do so. Uh, I've got three epic mountain bike podcasts that are already done, recorded and ready to drop. We're going to be dropping them all this week. Uh, and with that, we've also got a couple of new uh, sponsors that I'm stoked to shout out. Uh, if you have been following the podcast for a while, you would have noticed that I've been running some pretty cool new bags with the old Gypsy Tales logo on it. Uh, we're not making our own bags, but Johnny and his team at Lusty are making their own bags now. It is called Albeck Co. And it is innovative adventure luggage in every sense of the word. Now, if you're familiar with Lusty Industries, you would know that they are pretty savage in the bag game. Uh, they've basically seen it all. They've seen all the warranty claims that have come in on bags over the years. They've seen uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, and now they've turned that into their own brand. It officially launches this month, and I'm so, so pumped to have guys in Australia in, you know, in our market making products that are going to take on the world market. I think that is massive. Uh, Johnny and his team have put in just a huge effort over the last couple of years to make, uh, to make this happen. So, so excited. You can go and follow them on Instagram at Albeck Co, A-L-B-E-K Co, uh, and follow along for the drop. There's going to be plenty of information. We're going to be doing our own bags with the guys as well. So super excited about that. Pumped for that drop. We're brought to you as well today by a new sponsor, The Legends at Ride Wrap. If you want to follow along while I'm talking, whip out your phone, open up Instagram to at Ride Wrap. And man, I wish these guys were around when I was a grommet. Remember buying my first serious downhill mountain bike in 10 m one and dad would just say, mate, all you're going to do is go and throw that down a pile of rocks. And that's exactly what happened. Smash the frame, smash the paint, and I just wish that Ride Wrap was around back then. This is truly a product that is born out of necessity. Now, the core product is uh, clear protective wraps. They have different degrees of protection. Uh, their tailored protection product is specific to each model and size, and it offers up to 95% of frame coverage that is barely noticeable. Now, if you go on at Ride Wrap on Instagram, you'll be able to see uh their product in action. You buy a new bike, you spend all this money, the the stock colorways, everything that they 
uh, these bike manufacturers are making these days is so good and you sort of don't really want to kind of ruin that aesthetic but with ride wrap clear protective coating just goes over the top and you're sorted so for more information all you need to do is head to ride wrap ca or follow them on instagram at ride wrap we're also brought to you by the guys at crush oz Oh, coming back to where it all began. Uh, these were basically our first ever sponsor. And I hit up the gang and I said, boys, we've got a couple mountain bike drops. We've got to get you back on. I got sent their bike bucket kit as the first ever like sponsorship thing of the podcast. I still have that bucket in my shed. I've had to update the products as I went through them. But man, these guys have absolutely nailed it the bike care bucket comes with everything that you need it's got like a brush it's got uh the bike wash it's got the uh like the aftercare spray it is insane the products that they do it's all made here in australia they're an epic company they support mountain biking like nobody else in the industry and it's not just uh for mountain bike products i mean other Admittedly, I don't wash my mountain bike that much, to be honest, but my moto, I absolutely dig into that thing every time I ride it and I get great joy out of having a clean bike and Crush Oz products help make that possible. If you want to get yourself a bike wash bucket, all you need to do is head to crushoz.com. Righto, just got to quickly read through some of these uh, other sponsors that are with us every episode. Thank you to the guys at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au. The guys at Crick's Tweed, you can head to crickstweed.com.au. They are still giving away that KTM 450, but time is running out. All you have to do is buy a new or used vehicle from Crick's. Big shout out to Sammy at Fist, the glove lord himself. You can head to fisthandwear.com. Dixon Flannel dropped their DBK flannel today. Shout out to Twitch to homie. Uh, you can also head to rivalinkdesignco.com to get your graphics sorted for your new 2021 model. And we are also brought to you by the legends at Maxxis Tires and Motorex Oils, which reminds me, I need to do an oil change on the 350. All right. Thank you so much for sticking with me on that. Thank you to all our awesome sponsors. Thank you to our awesome listeners, Gypsy Gang, Full Life. And now I bring you Brooke McDonald. Brooke McDonald, what's up, dog? Yo. What's going on, bro? Lockdown, eh? Lockdown. In uh, <laughs> two weeks of isolation, so yeah, just uh, spending my time wisely. How um how long have you been uh, have you been in there for, and how long have you got to go? Uh, this is my sixth day now, so I've oh. got uh, what I got nine, eight, eight or nine more days to go. Shit, and how's it going in there? You doing as good as you thought? Is it harder than you thought? Is it easier? What's the where, where you at? Well, to be honest, it's actually quite nice because, I mean, from the year I've had, it's uh, it's it's been nothing but full on. So um, just to actually like be able to well have to not do much is good. But um, yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I got like a um a really nice hotel with with good food and uh, like a good area to go out and chill. So um, yeah, I got lucky with that. But yeah, I mean, I'm starting to um starting to get bored now and yeah i mean like an athlete being stuck inside is not easy mm. 
um, yeah, I was just had Jack Moyer on, and he was <clears throat> he was saying how dog shit the food is, and like he can't really get <laughs> can't really get Uber Eats and stuff. So I think he's on Struggle Street, but he's got the Xbox hooked up, so he's just going into the uh, he's just going into the gaming world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think he probably got the shittest um, place of all of us. Mm. Um, I was speaking to him the other day, and he said, "Yeah, the food's dog shit," and uh, I don't even think he can go outside either. Mm -mm. Yeah. How's that? So, what have you got? Have you got? Have you got a? Um, have you got like a balcony and shit that you can go out, or they let you outside? Outside? No, they they actually let us outside. Like they've got this big big barriers up around um the whole of the hotel so like mm. um yeah we can go out from like 6 a.m till 8 p.m and we just got to tell them our room number when we go out and come back in so it's pretty pretty basic and we can spend as much time as we want out there so it's pretty good dude what a fucking weird year eh? 2020 coming at you i know fuck it's uh it's been crazy well, I mean, so 2019 wasn't exactly fun for you either. So you've uh, no. you've you've uh, you've had a couple back to back that have been a bit strange. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess like the end of 2019 coming into 2020 was was uh, pretty weird for me. But I guess um, for me, like the whole fact of what I went through for the 2020 season was pretty good because I was basically motivated to get back to being a normal person again and um yeah i didn't struggle with anything so i kind of just had like my you know just a, a goal set that i wanted to achieve and you know nothing really bothered me throughout the whole quarantine and mm. the change of of the world so yeah it's it's been um it's been pretty good but up until i started racing uh, yeah things started to change yeah so maybe we should probably start i mean i don't know how sick of the whole injury thing you're you are, you know, talking about it, but maybe we should start there to give people an idea of what you had to go through. Um, where was world? Was it world champs last year? Yeah, world champs last year. So literally twelve months ago, um, you yep. were on on the hill, had a fucking big one, and your life pretty much changed. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Life changed. Couldn't feel my legs. Um, got yeah, got chucked over the hangers just over a, probably like a three four meter rock roll, um, and I pretty much fell from the top straight onto onto my backs on a slide uphill, um, pretty pretty hard ground, and yeah, and bounced off into the side of the ditch and was instantly in in agony. Tried to roll over and I was like, what the fuck? Like couldn't roll over. What was going on? Like I was like trying to move my feet, my legs and nothing was working and I was like fuck this is not good and um yeah from there I, I endured a pretty long day um they got me off of this off of the track and then onto the side of the hill um that's been uh pre pretty much the um afternoon there so so five hours until helicopter turned up and took me off the hill and in that five hours I was sort of messed around with yeah the helicopter's turning up now i can see it um it's coming and i'd be like oh sick like looking up in the sky no fucking helicopter <laughs> minimal pain medication so like from when the accident happened till i got into hospital i was still in so much pain um 
and yeah, it was just a, it was just a massive fuck up on uh, the the organisers and and the UCI of the whole um, getting me off of the hill because in that time they they hadn't had a um, a heli evacuation in twenty nine years, so I guess they kind of thought, well, you know, twenty nine years we haven't had anything, we're not going to have mm. anything, you know, in the in the present, so. Yeah, and, and the biggest thing was that that um, the pilot was was on standby forty five minutes away from the helicopter. I'm not saying it's his his fault, but yeah. this is the situation. Um, so yeah, by the time he got to the helicopter, he got you know his crew. There was an hour there. Um, so yeah, it was just a it was a fucking ball ache. And then like when I was leaving my my girlfriend and, and team manager was at the hospital and they asked if uh, they knew of a guy coming in with an injury a spinal injury and they're like yep yep we heard that he's like they were like yeah he's coming in um by helicopter and they're like well it's not coming here because our helipads um out of, out of action because they were renovating the hospital so oh. i had to detour to the airport and then fucking take a 20 minute ambulance ride from the airport to the hospital dude that's so, so um, yeah yeah it was fucking the worst day of my life by far yeah i mean it makes sense <laughs> yeah and then um then i got to hospital and they did started doing examinations on me um put some uh put some ketamine in me and then that was uh when everything went away my i fucking left my whole body and went to like mars and was walking around on the moon and shit just crazy shit it was fucking mental but Dude, um isn't it crazy yeah, when, that, I, when i isn't it crazy that people do ketamine for fun i would never do that for fun <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking crazy though people After, actually take ketamine and they're like it's a good time for them i know fuck it wasn't a good time for me holy shit Dude, that's fucking crazy. And so can you, like, you can remember, um, you can remember, like, the actual, like, the trip, essentially, when you were on that shit, or what? Yeah, like, fuck, it was pretty gnarly, too, because actually dosed me up on that, and then they'd stuck a finger up my ass as well. So it was, like, <laughs> the whole situation of, like, being on ketamine, going into the K-hole, and having a finger stuck up my ass was just next level like was like sitting there like whoa fucking like clenching my ass because like obviously that's a test they do to see if you've you've still got that um yeah like the reflex if your um nerves and muscles are still working yeah yeah the reflex so i mean yeah when he did that was a that was a good sign because the reflexes were still working but yeah, <laughs> not a good time of uh, being put on ketamine and doing that at the same time. Yeah, dude. Had you like did did you know much about ketamine in general like before that? No, no, never. I I I obviously heard of the K hole, but you know, never. No one's ever really explained to me what the K hole was was like and what it you know what experience it was. Yeah, how would you describe? Because I've never done it. How would you describe it? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I literally left my body and was on the fucking moon. You know how, like, the moon has, like, those big crater holes? Yeah. 
I was like walking through those, like just fucking cruising around the moon on the space dust, kicking the space dust around. It was, it was mental. Wow. But so like, but it yeah. wasn't a good, like, so you'd say it wasn't a good experience though. I guess it wasn't, it wasn't a great experience because I was getting the finger up my ass at the same time. But like that experience of being on space was, was pretty cool because like, obviously it took away all the pain from mm. my back as well. Yeah. So I kind of just forgot about all of that. Yeah. That's hectic. But, yeah. I'm, I've never, yeah. yeah. I've never thought that, you know, there's, well, I mean, obviously there's like the medical application of it, but you hear so many people that just do ketamine as like a, you know, like a recreate, I guess, fuck, it seems it's too intense to be recreational. Like, I feel like that's like a, that's almost like a <laughs> psychedelic experience, you know, and like any psychedelic, yeah, definitely. you're not like, you know, I'm definitely not racing out to do like multiple grams of mushrooms every day. Cause it's just too much. <laughs> like it's a lot, there's a lot on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would never do it just for, you know, day to day usage <laughs> of drug for sure. Not cause like. Yeah, the fucking experience I had was like, that was enough for me. <laughs> yeah, well, you've done it now, dude. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. get back there again. Oh, Yeah, dude. I've been into that K-hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You hit, I'm definitely not rushing out to fucking get amongst today. Nah, nah, definitely not. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, the it, it's crazy. Like, downhill's so fucking dangerous. Like, it's very obvious when you watch it, you're like, Oh, if they crash, that could go extremely wrong. But for the most part, yeah. it's super safe at the level that you guys do it. Like you just, you really don't see crazy injuries. And even when there, there is big crashes. Um, but there was obviously like a huge flaw in the UCI's, um, I guess, like processes of making that shit happen. Because that's at the world champs. Like that's the biggest event in the world. And you'd expect that that's the event where dudes will be hanging it out the most oh for sure bro and like i mean to have two doctors on the hill when there's like downhill practice and cross-country racing going on it's fucked like i mean doesn't matter how much it costs you to have doctors on the hill you need more than two doctors when there's two two races going on because mm. i mean the doctor never turned up to me until an hour and a half with pain relief mm. because they were attending some other people like what the fuck mm. and normally like more more so in europe europe is a lot better a lot better run um you know you can have a helicopter within a person to a person within 10 to 12 minutes whereas there they like obviously they told me that if your if your injury is life-threatening they'll have a rescue they'll have the army there within 20 to 30 minutes if it's not life-threatening you know it'd be about an hour bit over an hour mm. but they didn't fucking know if my my injury was life-threatening they didn't know if i had internal bleeding or how bad my mm. my spinal injury was so you know well that shit pisses me off and like yeah i hate i hate thinking about it and talking about it because like it just boils my blood because i've never had one single apology from anyone at the uci like mm. It's just shit, bro. Like, it just pisses me off. And, you know, we kind of just get walked over by those guys um, for other stuff as well. So, like, I mean, I hate to say it, but, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not fans of them after what I, what I went through. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And I would, that was going to be one of my questions is like, did they come to you and just say like, oh, how could we have made this better? Like, is there, you know, did they reevaluate their processes going forward or? Bro, to be honest, they didn't do anything. Like I did a podcast with uh, HKT guy. Oh, Davey, yeah. Yeah, Davey. Um, and I, on there, I was just open and honest about what happened and like how pissed off I was. And then the UCI, one of the guys come to me and like called me and was like, you know, sorry that this happened. I, I messaged you, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I never got a message. I never got an email apologizing, mm. nothing. And I said to him, look, like, I think the two biggest things that I want to see happen is like one, that we need to know the, the medical procedure of, um, you know, sorry, the evacuation of, of what's going to happen at a race event mm. um, of like, so, you know, so riders are comfortable and confident that, you know, they'll be taken off the hill, you know, in the safest, most safest possible way and, you know, efficiently as well. So that was my biggest concern, like making it happen. And then, you know, turn up to world champs and I asked the riders rep about it, if they've ever, if he heard anything about it and nothing heard about it. And then I, I sort of piped up about it and um, told the organizer at Leo Gang about it. And he was like, yeah, no, we haven't heard anything. He was straight on to, on the blower to the UCI. And then the next day they released a evacuation procedure, mm. like what's going to happen. So, you know, just, I felt like they didn't give a shit. Like they didn't really care about me. Yeah. I mean, it, that is fucking pretty hectic to, you know, like the writers are the, the show. Like that's literally all that you sort of exactly. there for, you know? Yeah, bro, and, and we, you know, I feel like we kind of just get walked over sometimes because, you know, at the end of the day, we just want to race our bikes and put on a show for everyone. But, mm. you know, we also want to want to be safe and have a safe environment and, you know, rules that work for us as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at InMoto, um, you've got like the Asterix medical crew and it's just insane the level of um, efficiency and they've got multiple doctors, they've got physios, they've got all of these, you know, then they've got trainee nurses. Like, it's such a well-organized machine. And, I mean, dude, I know that there's guys that would be dead if it wasn't for the Asterix medical unit. And that's what's so crazy to think of is that, like, legitimately it saved lives. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so cool. And I've seen that from the moto side of it. Um, it's It's pretty awesome. But, yeah, I mean, like when we're racing in europe we're pretty lucky they have a like the organizers really do a great job of putting on um a solid evacuation plan and medical with doctors and stuff like that so we're pretty lucky there but i guess mount saint anne just obviously with their 29 years of not having to have a helicopter turn up there mm. they kind of just went about it as like yeah 29 years has been nothing happened so there's not going to be anything going to happen this year sort of thing yeah um so yeah but I just, um, I just think like you don't turn up to a, an event and have two doctors and a helicopter that's not on, well, that's on call, but the pilot's 45 minutes away in a different story if he was at the, you know, hangar mm. where the helicopter was, you know, 20 minute flight, I would have been off the hill. Mm. And spinal injuries, like, I mean, I'm sure you know this now as somebody that's like lived through the experience, but like those first few hours are so crucial in the 
actual recovery time and and the damage that you're left with and it's like the the reaction time it's like every minute is so valuable um to the long-term recovery of somebody that's experienced that trauma yeah sure sure bro i honestly that was the biggest thing that i wanted was i need to get off this hill get me a helicopter because they tried to take me down in a fucking quad on the back of this trailer with a with a <laughs> stretcher and um yeah when and blinky were like what the fuck are you guys doing get him off of there so they got me off and i was like you you guys need to call a helicopter right now i know how serious this injury is and i just wanted to be off the hill because yeah by the time i'd finished up that day it was like 11 o'clock and i couldn't have been operated on till morning yeah so um yeah i mean like you said it's pretty crucial with a spinal cord injury every minute counts and you know who knows what you know, four hours, five hours could have done before if I had surgery that day, you know, mm. what, what, what could have been done. But I mean, you know, I'm just lucky to be able to walk again and, and, um, you know, race my bike. Yeah. Um, what, um, like that feeling, man, of laying on the track and being like, holy fuck, my legs don't work. Like, I think that everybody that rides bikes, whether it's mountain bike or moto or does any sort of, you know, two-wheeled sort of activity, that's, like, pretty much the worst-case scenario that you can think of. And, I mean, I know that I've thought about that shit, like, that that moment that you've gotten. Even when I had that crash a few months ago, like, my legs weren't working properly and it was just because of some swelling yep. in the end. But I, I remember it was like a week and I went back to the hospital after a week. Cause I was like, I still can't fucking walk. Like I can't use my legs properly and I could walk, but I'm like dragging my feet around and mum's like, that's, this is fucking bad. And then when I was in hospital and the doctor come in and he's like, it could be this, this and this talking about like, you know, like a spinal cord injury. I was laying on that bed before the MRI, just fucking peaking. Cunt. Like that was the worst. That was the worst like headspace I've probably ever been in, in my life because you're staring down the barrel of of your legs not working and when it's yeah that's like what we do man like as you know active guys that are you know ch doing these kind of sports so like do you remember being on the floor and just like having that realization because like the you'd obviously have the pain but then i'm sure on another level completely it's like you'd be blocking out the pain and being like holy fuck my legs don't work yeah i guess i guess for me i was like I sort of just had a different frame of mind of like approaching it because like fuck that I was in the pain I was in was was excruciating I honestly had never been in pain that much so like I think like that kind of took the edge off of me thinking about fuck you know this could be my career over like this is me done mm. sort of thing I think um the pain really blocked that out because I was just thinking about like okay I know how serious this is I just want to get off the hill um but yeah that yeah the the pain that i was in was fucking next level and i think that kind of blocked out that whole thing but you know from like from then i was pretty pretty optimistic that i was gonna fucking walk again like i just didn't have that thought in my head like yeah oh, fuck you fucked like you're not gonna mm. walk again you know um yeah i was kind of just like if it if it did happen then fuck you know it is what it is i you know i've got to deal with this but yeah, I think I was I was pretty open minded about like yeah, fuck, I'm I'm gonna walk again one day and like whether it's gonna be 
in fucking three days time or three weeks time like you know i just kind of already had like started planning forward of like what i was going to do what my goals were going to be you know all that mm. sort of shit which really really helped me to get to where i am today mm. and then like what when you talk about that pain like where was the pain like was it a, even a pain that you could actually describe going through when you look back at it yeah I, it's it's definitely a hard pain to describe it was like in the place where i broke my back so like my lower thoracic and i don't know if it was like i don't know if it was the pain from the bone sitting on the spinal cord or like the actual break um obviously i couldn't feel my legs so there was no pain in there it was just all my back mm. but yeah it's it was it's definitely a hard hard pain to describe because it was just like real sharp shooting pains like just like you know like those that the pain where you kind of hold your breath yeah for a long time because it's that fucking painful yeah. yeah i wonder with stuff like that whether because it's like a broken bone <clears throat> should be a broken bone right like i've heard i broke my wrist and you snap your wrist and then it like it fucking hurts but it just it is what it is like you can deal with it but then yeah. you know you have that that kind of pain i imagine so much of the the actual pain itself would just come from um like your body trying to stop you from moving and just like completely yeah. immobilize you and like you know when you go through something so serious where it's like you've lost feeling you got an injury to your spinal cord like because you think about it in like evolutionary terms like let's take away hospitals mountain bikes let's take away everything let's say you're like caveman brook and you got you fell off a fucking cliff and you've broken like you had the injury that you had you're fucked like full dead there's just no oh, big time. like yeah. there's no coming back from that like so um, your body would just be full freak out mode of like you're in this much pain until you die die yeah exactly and it's like so hectic. Be a fucking slow slow death can you imagine that shit like having to go through what you went through with like no doctors no nothing yeah, I fucking couldn't imagine. Well, I went through five hours of fucking sitting on a hill. Yeah, I suppose you did doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of kind of uh, you know a, a little bit of it. But yeah, I couldn't imagine not having you know any of that and just you know, being there fucking lying paralyzed. But yeah, it's mad. Like the feeling, like when I tried to roll over, it was fucked because I was like, why the fuck? You know, my legs not working, and it was just like, you know, my brain was like lift your legs, lift your legs. But like, mm. I was, you know, my brain was trying to tell my legs to move, but they weren't moving. Yeah, it's pretty mad. Yeah, no, nah, no thanks, man. I'm, uh, nah. I'd rather hear you talk about it than go through all that's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's like, it's fucking crazy. Cause like, you know, as much as I wish it didn't happen, I was like, yeah, this is, this has been a fucking time in my life where I've like realized like how, grateful i am to be able to walk to be able to ride my bike just to be able to to live like fuck you know starting to walk again like it was like being a toddler again like having to learn to do everything mm. you know like fucking rewiring your brain and retraining everything like just even to lift my foot was a fucking was an exercise in itself mm. yeah so what's the but like you... it's been such a cool experience 
So you have the, you obviously have the surgery and then you get to the point where it's like, okay, you, like, did you, did the doctors say anything about like recovery, how long it was going to take? Or did they say, we don't know if it'll come back? Like what was the, the early days sort of diagnosis? Well, yeah, this is a good thing. Like my surgeon come to me the next day and was literally like, yeah, everything went well. Like we were really happy with what we've done. And I was like, cool, yeah, sweet, like, you know, that's enough, that's all I need to know. Mm. Um, but he never said to me, okay, this is going to be, you know, this amount of recovery, um, you know, you might actually not walk again, he never said anything like that. So, like, those two weeks of being in Canada was, like, real crucial um, part of, like, not actually being told, you know, you might not walk again because, like, you know, obviously I'd set my mind to, you know, specific goals that I wanted to achieve and yeah like I guess with a spinal cord injury it's it, you know it can take years or it can take months to to heal and I guess with mine it was sort of months until I was you know properly walking again so yeah I guess with uh with something like this you can't they can't really give you a, mm. a proper indication of when you're going to be fully recovered I was told that you know one to two years you will be you know fully recovered again yeah what the the support from the industry was pretty crazy to see as well like in those early you know the early stages of it was it was that a pretty like motivating factor as well and like what was the shit that was was like did motivate you th through that early stages yeah i mean the support was insane i mean i never thought that i had so many people backing me um and just yeah just like social media was just insane the people that come to me and mm. you know wish me luck and like told me that i was going to get through this or people that had the same injury as me and being like yeah you, you've got this you know just all the support was was amazing and like i think that really helped me a lot get through where i am today because like obviously i'd set my own goals and you know from day one of when I stood up, I was like, fuck yeah, this is on. Like, I'm, I'm going to be riding my bike again. And from then I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, set a goal that's potentially not realistic, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to achieve it. And that was to race Croatia in um, May this year. So like that really drove me to doing everything properly, like rehab recovery, um, all that sort of shit really massive uh you know for me to to achieve that goal but yeah like just everyone that supported me um was it was amazing and like the people around me um my physios doctors my girlfriend my family um you know i just i just felt like positive people around me which which was a big a big help because you know you, you don't really want negative people around you people that are putting you down or being like, you yeah, know, nah, this is not going to work. You, you know, you're probably not going to ride your bike again. Cause you know, not that it would, I felt like it would ever affect me because I'm the sort of person that would like, you know, obviously want to prove them wrong, but you know, some people take it differently. So yeah, I think, um, that was really important having, you know, everyone supporting me and, and messaging me. Yeah. And so how long did it take? to start making some progress like how long was it from when you crashed to when you were like first sort of standing up and do they like pretty much like rush you into rehab as well 
Yeah, they, they kind of, they, they really push for you to stand up. Um, I think it was two, two or three days after my accident, I stood up like oh, that was, wow. real, that was fucking, that was really hard. Cause like, obviously my legs, I, I, you know, had feeling come back in my legs, but there was still so much nerve damage. And like, you know, I couldn't really feel the bottoms of my legs. Like I could feel that they were there and it was working, but just all the nerves around it was just mm. not firing. So, um, a lot of it, you know, was done through my upper body and the help of, of the, um, PTs there. But yeah, fuck, when I first stood up, I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. Like three days after surgery, being paralyzed, like I'm standing up. And then the next day they had me walking on, on the parallel bars. Yeah. Um, which like, you know, same thing again, like so much weight through my upper body, but it was just so sick to walk again. And, um, obviously I had so much defects on my legs and like I had drop foot. So like my, my right side was more damaged than my left. So my right foot was just like, when I'd lift it up, it would just like, you know, just yeah. flop down and drag along the ground. That's like so, pretty much um, what I had for like a week and a half. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's fucked. It's not nice. Nah. And you feel, yeah. Cause I was getting, so I had like all this cause I busted my hip, but then I had like, I just tore the, um, the skin off the um like the skin and the muscle and the fat and everything like it's sheared off and it's called like a degloving injury and um Ooh. but yeah so then what happened is like all the there was so much blood and fluid that like filled that void and it just put like pressure on everything so like i didn't actually do anything in terms of like breaking to like push on the spinal cord but that um all that fluid was just fucking up with all my nerves and i'd walk my fucking toes would be dragging i'm just like oh, oh fuck this i've cooked it here fuck yeah that's that's yeah that's not a nice feeling because nah. it makes you yeah fucking it fucks everything like it fucks your whole walking yeah <laughs> just so scary to think that that's how you could be <laughs> yeah. too. yeah yeah definitely so when um when then you you sort of get the the rehab stuff going how like did you ever have doubts where you're just not like you're like fuck this i just don't think i'm gonna do it or like did the riding thing it was just always gonna happen no it was always gonna happen bro like i literally i felt like every single day was was progress and i was achieving something every single day which was huge for me because like you know going through something that like you know i i lost 12 kilos in two weeks it was all my muscle gone like i was a fucking i was skin and bone like mm. so like going from someone who was solidly built and had you know decent sized legs to seeing myself with like nothing i was like fuck this is going to take a long time to build mm. and um yeah but like yeah i just achieved something every day whether it was small or big like you know you know walking on my walker you know 50 steps was was a huge achievement for me and like it just kind of took that for the into the next day and like okay i'm gonna walk 100 steps today or i'm gonna walk uh, you know 100 meters mm. and i could just i just sort of push myself until i couldn't actually you know i'd fatigued or i had to sit down um just so you know in the back of my head i knew that you know that i could actually do that with the you know the right rehab and the training but 
yeah, like when I when I arrived in New Zealand, um, the four weeks I spent in the spent at the spinal unit here was um, probably like the biggest four weeks of my recovery. Um, that you know was really important because I achieved so much there. Like I turned up there basically in a wheelchair, could walk a few steps, and then walked out of there with with um, just a walking stick that like was for me if I when I started getting tired, but I was like to myself, I'm going to walk out of this place with, with nothing. And, um, yeah, I did that, which was, was like a huge achievement for me. And I was riding my bike five weeks after my surgery. So that was, that was also another, another big achievement. Yeah. That's so crazy to think that you, you could have rode your bike so quickly after it. Were you like before, before this injury, like, are you, are you a training dude? Like, obviously there's guys that, I mean, all you guys at the top level in downhill have to train, but you know, like me and Jack were talking about win and it's like, he just loves to suffer. Like he, he could be a fucking Navy seal, that dude, you know, like he just loves to do that shit. And I feel like a guy like him, given that, you know, kind of situation with like a real bad injury, he would just like, he'd froth on just the training that he'd have to do to get back. But I mean, not everyone's like that. I mean, I'm fucking eyeing that dude. <laughs> so, but it's like, <laughs> no, were, you, were you that guy or? Yeah, I'm definitely that sort of person who loves to suffer and I love to put myself into pain. Like I've always, since I've had like a proper training regime and like a coach, I've, I've really been into that. So like, yeah, everything was, was you know, if it, if it was hard work, I was always keen to mm. keen to do it. But like the crazy thing was like when I would do something one day, like I would fucking suck at it, like balancing on one leg. I couldn't even do it for five seconds. And then I'd go and do it that afternoon or the next day and I could do it. You know, I could balance on my leg for five seconds or 10 seconds. It was crazy. And like, you know, I had dreams where I was like fucking in my dream, I was walking. Next day I was going to the gym, tell my physio that I had a dream that I walked and then I'd walk the next, I walked that that day it was crazy so how like it it was more of like a mental deal then to go through really like it it, was it harder mentally than physically almost i guess hard is probably the wrong physically it's probably it was probably like physically obviously because you had these physical challenges to overcome but the way that you overcome them was more mental than physical would you say yeah, definitely, definitely. But it was more physical because, like, obviously with this injury, it affects your body so much. So I fatigued so quickly. Like, you know, I'd do half an hour of gym sessions and I'd have to go home and have a sleep before mm. I'd have to do another one. So, like, sort of probably for, like, four weeks, that was the struggle was the physically side of it was just, like, being able to do something. I'd be like, fuck, I need to go home and sleep because I'm so tired. Mm. but once i got past that it was just like i guess it was just like a walk in the park like from what i went through to being able to actually walk again like everything was just felt like a you know a walk in the park not not that i'm saying it was but you for me like what i'd been through previously you know spending that time on the hill and and all that sort of shit was just kind of like made the whole approach to the the rehab um a lot easier Mm, almost like because 
that pain on the hill was just so gnarly that everything else was a little bit easier after that. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's what it felt like. And like, yeah, I just, I felt like fucking every single day I look forward to going into my gym and, you know, doing the rehab. Whereas like some people, you know, with an injury, like what I had probably were like, fuck, I can't be fucking in the gym today. or I can't be asked mm-hmm. doing rehab. Um, whereas like, I felt like, you know, it's crazy, crazy what the body and mind can do. Like, I really felt like the, you know, the healing of the body and the mind really, really got me through a lot of, um, a lot of this. And, and so like, what about now then as you know, you sort of get back on the bike and you started to train to do your job again, has it given you almost like a new level of what you can kind of put yourself through? Like, have you seen any mental changes that have kind of lasted in you that have made you a better athlete? I, no, I don't reckon mental changes. I definitely think that I've, um, I've fucking loved riding my bike more than I did before because obviously I've had a second opportunity at doing it. So it's kind of made me realize like, you know, biking is actually pretty sick and like just like when i was riding i was just so stoked like i didn't even care about racing like i was just like obviously with all the coronavirus and stuff happening i was just fucking throthing on riding my bike and just you know doing it with mates and being able to ride Mm. fast again which was pretty sick um but yeah like first time i rode my bike in the forest i was like fuck it you know i don't even feel like i've had an accident you know i don't mentally i didn't feel like i had anything obviously i could still notice the small side effects with like feeling in my feet not being able to pedals and the rod in my back just sort of like limiting me to some stuff but yeah fucking riding a bike you know i just felt like i'd never left Mm. you know previous to my crash it's crazy like if you think about it in terms of um like what the actual feeling of the happiness is that you had on the bike. Like if you just, in terms of the, the sensations that go through your body that you then go, fuck, this is just pure joy. Like riding that bike. It's like, that should theoretically always be there, but it's like all this other stuff kind of clouds it. And then, you know, you like, oh, before your injury, it's like, oh, I got to fucking do this for a job and maybe my mechanic's pissing me off or the team's fucking me around or, or like this and that. And it, all of those things take away from that available happiness. But then it's yep. like all those fucking clouds go away when you ride that bike the first time after the injury. And then it's like, it's completely unobstructed by any fucking bullshit. And it's like that was there available all along but it just like takes this new perspective to like let you have that feeling again you know yeah definitely bro and don't get me wrong like i loved riding my bike before my accident and like fuck you know oh yeah i was just so stoked riding my bike but i feel like now i've i've like really got a whole new love for for riding again like it just you know just like i want to ride my bike every day like you know, I couldn't care less if they were, they were like, fuck, there's not going to be any racing for fucking three years. You know, from now, I'd be still fucking stoked to go out and ride my bike every single day. Um, as much as I am a racer, like I've, you know, I'm fucking so competitive and, you know, I just want to keep racing. Like if that was taken away from me, I'd still be stoked to just ride my bike. 
And so when you, you get back on and you start training for the, the world champs and, um, so what races do, have you done this year? And I guess like, how has those races gone for you? Um, yeah, so I had planned to do Croatia in, in May, but with coronavirus, that sort of fucked everything. So like everything was kind of canceled until, till start of, well, end of August, start of October um so i went over for six weeks before just to you know get some riding because i'd only ridden my downhill bike three times um before i left to go overseas so like i needed to put some time in on it so yeah just went over and spent some time with my team and teammates and mechanic and did a bunch of testing and all that sort of shit and um yeah i was just fucking stoked on riding my bike i was right i felt like i was riding the best i'd ever ridden before and um you know, come to Crankworx Innsbruck, race that, because I felt like I needed to, really needed to do a race before I went to World Champs. So I did mm. that. I finished 11th, which which I was fucking stoked with, because, like, you know, it was a pretty solid field and there was a lot of fast riders there. Um, And, yeah, like, from there, kind of, like, the whole, I felt like the whole coronavirus really just fucked me. Like, it just sort of mentally drained you know what i went through to getting to the stage was like so mm. much preparation and you know just turning up to a race and having to have a fucking mask and my credential and like you know when i wanted to go to the left i had to have my mask on and fucking show the people my credential like you know i'm not used to that i just fucking get my bike out of the pit and go straight to the left and go up for a run you know all that sort of shit yeah really took its toll on me um you know trying to focus on a race let alone having to go fast too. So like, you know, there was just like fucking security guards around being like, oh, put your mask on or show me your credential. I'm like, I've fucking, I've got a number plate on my bike. Like I'm racing, don't you yeah. know? I mean, you know, I feel like I'm whinging, but like it, I felt like it really affected me and, you know, all that sort of shit, um, you know, going into, to a, you know, the biggest race in the world um, can affect someone and it, it affected me quite badly and like i, I well you don't you don't know car. you don't know how it's gonna affect you until you go through it like it's easy to look back now and you know but in the moment it's hard to sort of have that perspective so it makes sense yeah yeah like i was so fucking amped to race my bike you know leading up to all those races i just couldn't wait to do it and then i got there and it was just kind of like a big not a downward spiral, but like, you know, kind of just a big downer on the whole event, no spectators, you know, just yeah. all that sort of shit that I'm used to. I just sort of didn't adapt to it properly. And then come qualifying, I, I actually felt really good and like got probably like a fucking minute into the track and had this fucking shitty ass crash and went to the bank wall and fucking did a 360, went to pick my bike up, my bars had snapped. So like, you know there's qualifying gone like no you know no time to for me to see like where i actually sit in amongst you know the yeah. best riders in the world and then like you know fucking going into race race day like all that sort of stuff plays on your mind there's like a section that a lot of riders were struggling with and fuck i was just like fucking struggling with it so bad and like really played a big part of my mind and um yeah come race day fucking you know probably got like two minutes into the track and just had this shit wash out fucking mud all over my grips got up chugged on and then had this fucking huge crash like a massive crash 
And I was just like, fuck, like, <laughs> you know, oh. this couldn't fucking get any worse. And like, I kind of, you know, like previous to that, like the whole six weeks I'd been riding my bike, I hadn't had a crash. And like, you know, I was just, I was really wanting a crash, a big one. So I knew what it was going to feel like. Mm. Um, yeah, that'd crash, play like, more going to be any Yeah. And like, you know, I was always, I was just hoping like, fuck, come on, have a big crash. Like, <laughs> and, um, yeah, fuck, I was riding one day and come come across this section. This was just when I was training. And there was this, like, pole lying across the ground that I didn't see. And I would have been going probably, like, 30, 40K. And the fucking pole flicked up and went straight through my crank into my leg and oh. just tomahawked me over the bars. I was like, oh, fuck, here's another fucking Mount St. Anne again. Fucking landed on the deck so hard. And like was lying there, was like fucking wiggling my feet, like just like oh yeah, yep. oh. right one, right one moves, left one moves, stood up, fucking bounced around, and I was just like honestly, that was like the best day of my life because like, you know, it was a crash that fucking was so big, and like I just got back up and I was sweet. I was like fuck yeah, you know, back to the I old bulldog again. Yeah, and then like yeah, come worlds, I had that fucking huge crash and just like smoked my shoulder into this like side of the stump fucking got back up carried on but yeah that was a disaster and then like going into the first uh two world cups like i just kind of just was like the whole yeah like i said the coronavirus shit just brought me down and like i didn't even really want to race and the weather was shit and it was cold and like mm. just all that shit sort of played a part on it um and yeah like i just got there and i was like fuck i you know crashed in qualifying i crashed in finals like i was just like fuck why am i crashing all the time and like just all this shit was just playing on my mind like not so much like the fact of me being able to be confident riding my bike but just all that small shit with like you know mm. masks and this and that um but yeah like i sort of like turned it around on the last day um on the finals and i finished 23rd which i was really stoked with so like you know i kind of realize like yeah fuck i'm still fast and i can still be up contending with those top guys um and yeah i just made a decision from there that i was going to come home like miss miss the next uh two world cups because like you know fuck i'd be coming home and almost started december if i'd gone there so i was like yeah i need to come home and have a mm. break and just relax yeah yeah that's um that's that's sort of what jack was saying like if he did the last two world cups then he would have been coming home super late and then you've got the holidays and flights and it's just yeah it's definitely been uh yeah gnarly year for that sort of shit so it's probably yeah. it's better to play it safe in that respect and then well i guess you guys don't start till april next year right no no we don't start till april next year so you know like i just wanted to come home and have a bit of a break and like you know fucking just just be like normal wind for down a, a change my, yeah yeah bro yeah and um so yeah I, th I feel like i i really like achieved you know i achieved the biggest goal that i wanted to do was race my bike again so like yeah you know that was a massive win in my eyes and you know to finish 23rd at my last world cup was was another big achievement too so i was like yeah happy i was like really happy to like end on a good note and just come home and you know mm. call the season and and be actually healthy going into the off-season training yeah and how was the team through it all like you know and then you know with results and stuff like that you know not being what you'd normally achieve but have they been pretty cool through the whole thing 
Yeah, they've been they've been amazing, honestly. Like they like they've never really dealt with such an injury in their team before and so like this was a huge blow on them and they were really they fucking were really taken back and you know, obviously I was re- I was really keeping them up to date with all my progress and they were just like you know, they were just mind mind blown of what I'd done and you know, they were just so stoked to see me over there and like just racing my bike. They couldn't give a shit about my results. They were just so stoked to see me back racing world. So yeah, I'm I'm really glad that I've got a, a good team like that. I mean, I think I would hope to think a majority of teams would be like that, but yeah, just there was no pressure from them whatsoever of like results, just ride your bike and and have fun. Yeah. And then so like yeah, it makes sense that you'd want to have a, a clear run into 2021 and just cuz I mean essentially like your life hasn't been normal for a whole year because this time 12 months ago was when you got hurt and then you go through all the injury and then you go through, you know, the quarantine and like all that shit like it's Fuck been no, yeah, like from from day 1, bro, I haven't had a rest. Like I've probably taken at least a week off. Mm. So I'm just like, I'm just drained. Like, I just like, yeah. fuck you, I need to come home and, <laughs> and be normal again. Yeah, dude, I'm so bummed there's no no Supercross in Auckland this year because that's, uh, that's always a good time. Yeah, I know. I was fucking gutted about that too because, yeah, that's a good fucking party there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you've at least had a few beers <laughs> since your injury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely so, let my hair down a bit. Uh, so what's um what's the off season plan like? Are you gonna try and get back on the moto, or what's your what's your deal with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I sold my moto before I left, but yeah, I'm keen to get another one. What are you gonna um, get? Not too sure yet. I'm just trying to work that out now. What I want to get? Get three fifty, um, bro. Three fifty gang. Uh, not a not a big fan of them, eh? Ooh, have you ridden one? I don't know why, I just, yeah, I've ridden one. Yeah. What, you just don't like KTM already, or just the 350 in general? Not KTM, I just didn't like the 350. I just felt the, you know, that in-between sort of, I don't know, it didn't really suit me. I, I didn't ride it much, but I kind of noticed the difference between like the 350, 450 and 250. Do you normally um, ride a 450? But yeah. Nah, 250. Oh, really? Like 450 is too too big, too big for me. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's why I lo- that's why I like the three fifty because the four fifty is too big for me yeah. too, but the two two fifty just feels slow. Yeah, I rode. Uh, I think I rode like a eighteen three fifty. Yeah. So I don't know if they've changed a lot since then, but yeah, I didn't really like that one. Yeah, that's that's bizarre. You tripping, son? <laughs> I'm not a fucking I'm not a fucking motor guru, so okay. Yeah, just, true. Uh, you, you know, how long? You, how long? How long have you been riding for? Probably motor I've ridden for like maybe eight, nine years. Yeah, right. So you've been into it for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More so like farm. I used to ride farm bikes heaps because my grandparents had a farm. So just to thrash about on then I got like a proper motor. Was when yeah. like, you know, I was like, fuck, this is actually real sick. What What was your last motor? You had a, a 250 Yamaha, didn't you? No, Honda. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, Those dude, things are pretty sick. Yeah, they are pretty good. Honda don't make many bad yeah. bikes. Nah. Might, we, yeah, um, I might get another one of those or a Yammy. Yeah, dude, the Yammy 250F's bullshit good. Have you rode one of those things? Yeah. 
I haven't, but I heard heard a lot of good things about them. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, they're fucking unreal. If I was going to get a 250F, that's what I'd get. Yeah. Um, where Whereabouts do you, like, what's the crew that you guys ride with? Have you got, like, a pretty solid little crew that you spend time on the bike with? Because a bunch of the mountain bike boys are into it too, right? Yeah, but we kind of kind of spread out across the country, eh? So, like, yeah, mm. I mean, I don't have, like, a whole heap of mates that ride moto where I live. Like, um, you know, every, every once in a blue moon, I'll go ride with Coops. Um, but very often. Um, so, yeah, I don't really, like, more so I just ride by myself or, or a couple of mates if they're going to go out. But I've got a track at my grand's place, so, you know, pretty good uh pretty good there that i can just go ride whenever i want yeah how do you know bt that well yep yeah dude you got to go ride with ben man he's got the fucking tracks dude yeah i know and he's got the fucking fleet of bikes too eh? so i definitely need to get out with him he's always he's always pretty busy over summer so like it's always hard to fucking connect with that guy all right he just carries on man yeah, he's a fucking trooper, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm bloody so keen to get back over there. I've never rode a mountain bike in NZ either. Like, I've only been there to ride oh, yeah. motos, and I'd love to get on. We need to fucking take you to Rotorua. Yeah. Dude, I'd be so stoked to, to go and ride that shit, eh? Yeah. Yeah, that place is sick, bro. Where's your... Where are you spending most of your time training and riding? Is it Rotorua? Yeah, I spend a lot of, lot of time in Rotorua. I'm only two hours away from there, so it's a pretty easy drive. Yeah, right. Do you have yeah. tracks that around like where you are? Yeah, bro. Yeah, I have. I have tracks probably like twenty minutes from my place, but they're like you know, pretty mellow, pretty mm. mellow stuff. But you know, enough to actually, you know, do a decent trail ride on. So like, I spend you know pretty good amount of time there. But more so, if I need to go do downhill riding, I go to Rotorua. Yeah, yeah. Do you are you doing a lot of enduro stuff for your training, or is it mostly you're doing like mostly downhill runs? Mm, I really wish I could do a lot of downhill runs, but like obviously with Rotorua two two hours away, like trying to get there every you know two or three days is pretty hard. So like I do do, do a ride, do a lot of um, trail riding, but like nothing like Jack Jack would be doing. Like I only do an hour and a half um mm. max but do a lot of stuff on the road bike as well yeah 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 it's um yeah it'd be, it'd be like kind of it's a bit of a fucking shit sport to train for unless you're doing the whole gondola thing and you you know you live at a bike park because there's a lot that goes into <laughs> yeah. just doing shuttles oh for sure bro like yeah you can um yeah like i mean bruni He's at least tra he's at least riding with his mechanic probably two three times a month testing like proper testing mm. like three days full on testing and like you know we don't really have that opportunity because we're so far away from our mechanics and you know the resources that we they have in Europe compared to what we have in New Zealand is is pretty tough so yeah I mean I feel like us fucking New Zealanders and Australians. Australians do pretty well on on the world circuit considering like we come from such far away countries racing in Europe mm. yeah that's what like you think about a guy like Sam Hill man like he lives further away than oh yeah pretty much anybody and he was just like the G of all G's yeah he's a fucking OG that guy I mean he goes out on a fucking road bike 
does a hundred and fucking plus k's on flat pedals like <laughs> what fucking person does that <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a savage eh? he's just like yeah man i i, I want to get him on in studio so bad like i don't know how he'd go yeah. actually talking but like man the shit that he's done is so next level eh fuck yeah he's a he's like the fucking king of our sport like he's such a good dude too like he's such a quiet person but once you get to know him he like really opens up so i feel like you know fucking you get him on there he'll really open up if you've you know had a few few talks to him before but yeah he's such a good dude like you know a lot of people you know think he comes across as like this dude who doesn't really talk much he's kind of like you know sam hill that guy who doesn't talk but he's actually a really nice guy and you know i i fucking become pretty good friends with him and it was like that you know like he didn't really say much to me when i first started talking to him but yeah once you know like i guess he started feeling comfortable around me he really opened up and was like yeah he's a fucking funny dude too when he's so, a full fucking full-blown australian eh oh dude yeah as as like aussie fucking bogan legend as it gets it's so sick jack daniels fucking those big four by four flip-flops <laughs> You know, you name it, he's got it, eh? <laughs> oh, so when did you get to know him? Like, we did you guys, were you on the same team or, like, travel, like, sort of schedule for a bit or? Yeah, yeah. When I was, when I first started racing downhill, he was still racing. So, like, obviously he was the fucking, you know, the guy that I looked up to. And when I first went to Europe in 2008 was when he fucking had that crash around the corner in Val Sol and still got third, was like fucking smoking everyone by oh, like, I think, yeah. nine seconds. Um, so like, you know, he was the fucking guy everyone bowed down to. And just like a fucking dude who rode flat pedals and fucking took the fucking wildest lines, like, yeah. you know, big insides on corners that people would never think to do because they're like, oh, fuck, that's, you know, that's not fast, but here comes fucking Sam Hill with his foot out fucking going 10 times faster than them so like you know he was just like the guy that everyone was like fucking yeah this guy's a fucking yeah. business but yeah i guess i started to like you know like i i talked to him and i like you know i'd fucking say hello to him and he was always sort of like i you know you know not a massive speaker and then like kind of gradually grew on him and yeah just like probably 2011 2012 from there like you know become friends and you know, I could go around his pits and fucking have a yarn to him and mm. shit like that. So, yeah. That's funny. Like, Cody Cooper's kind of a, a similar sort of deal, eh? Like, Coop <laughs> yeah. doesn't, doesn't say fuck all. And he just, like, they no. kind of, he'll go out and just do, like, the wildest shit on the bike and then come in and he'll be like, how's that? Yeah, good. And that, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, sort of fucking, you... he doesn't say much either, eh? Yeah, but, like, then when you actually get him going, like, Man, I don't know many people that can tell a story better than Cody Cooper. Yeah, fuck. I know, bro. I've traveled to <laughs> Vegas with him before, and holy shit, that was a fucking experience in a fucking lifetime, eh? Dude. But I feel like, I, I feel like Cody Cooper is, like, sort of the same as Sam Hill. He's, like, this fucking Sam Hill of New Zealand. That guy, like, fuck, he just... I just, like, fucking was watching him in the weekend, bro, and, like, you know, he doesn't fucking ride his bike much. He works now, like... He just get bike and still fucking cleans up every run. It's like fucking hell. Yeah, dude. Yeah, just he... one of those guys that can flick the switch real quick and go from fucking you know qualifying third or fourth fastest to someone who just fucking smokes everyone. 
Dude, you, you hear like you ride with Coops, and he makes his bike sound different to everybody else. Yeah. And it's just like you hear him; he's on a four fifty, and it's like, and I'm just like, what, what, what? Like, how do you, how does it sound like that? How do you make it do that shit? It's like you just he, you're hearing him operate on like a totally different level, and just every time I'm with that dude, it just his shit blows my mind, eh? <laughs> yeah yeah he's such a good rider it would have been if i like see him a few more years in in the outdoors and like with a team like what he could have done because i feel like he really could have fucking been the the next bt mm. i think with coops though like i mean I, i'm definitely at some stage i'm gonna have him on and do like a fucking three hour yarn with him <laughs> but like i'd be like getting blood out of a stone but like yeah <laughs> I just don't know whether he's the kind of guy that, like, personally, he just, like, fit in those environments with those teams and stuff, you know? Like, he's just such, like, a different character. I feel like he could have done good. Like, the ultimate scenario for Coop to do good is, like, give him a sick bike, factory bike, factory mechanic, the whole deal. But then it's just, like, him and BT would fly to the race. Like, no team, no factory yeah. around, you know? It just seems like... yeah. For whatever reason, the environment just doesn't suit the way that he rolls. And it's Sam's probably the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does make sense, bro, because, yeah, watching him to Nations, like, he just sort of, you know, he just doesn't fucking care, you know? Like, he's given a bike, he fucking makes it work. Like, I feel like he'd probably achieve more on a privateer team, like, with what you said, like, factory bike all that sort of shit um then he probably would on a on a factory team because like i guess for him he's you know such a simple guy and just used to fucking mm. you know doing shit himself or having his mechanic from here come over and help him like you know just feel like probably the simplest shit works better for him mm. yeah and i feel like he's probably it's probably the kind of guy that like just the dudes frothing and chain wanted to do this and you got all those guys he's probably just gonna be like fuck off man like just leave me alone like, i just want to i just want to yeah. cruise whereas some dudes they yeah. love that shit yeah for sure most definitely i like yeah when i was at fucking um des nations with him like i was fucking you know going and walking around the track and scoping out lines for him and he's like oh yeah mean bro like yeah fuck that's sick like <laughs> cheers for that bro Whereas, like, you know, I feel like if it was fucking someone else, like, they'd be like, fuck, I'm not listening to you, bro. You don't know fuck all. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, Coops was just like, yeah, fucking sick, bro. Thanks for that. You know, took some videos for him and showed him some videos. He was like, oh, yeah, fuck me. <laughs> yeah, oh, dude, he's just, got, <laughs> he's just got the best attitude. Eh? I, like, it's yeah. pretty sick that James got a perfect season. But, man, if Coops beat him in that moto at Unadilla, like, that would have been probably the upset of all upsets like you would never have oh, an time. upset in a race bigger than what coops did at unadilla that year yeah for sure for sure that what's, was that was pretty fucking cool to see that what's it like have you been on like experiences with teams where like the like the vibes just fucking shit and they're like well they're all nice people but there's just something there's something about it or can you see how that's like a thing that happens with guys where they're just like you know everything's good the bike's good the, the they're all nice guys but you're just like fuck for whatever reason this just doesn't feel that that right 
Yeah, yeah, I have actually. I I had that when I was on um on GT, the team that wins on at the moment. Like, yeah, I just um fuck like those two years that I spent on that team, man. That was like the worst two years of my life of really? racing. Like, I had no good results. My best result was eighth. Like, you know, come from a consistent top ten rider and getting podiums to someone who's like fucking gonna get a top twenty. Um, yeah, the bike did not work for me at all. Like, fuck, it was just a piece of shit like it was honestly terrible like i didn't know how you could have a bike that you know rode that that bad on a world cup track like i really struggled um and yeah like i just didn't you know the environment like fuck we were partying every weekend like fucking thousand euro budget for piss and barbecue every single weekend like you know i really? come from a team that was a yeah factory team like trick trick um bikes you know like everything was so dialed there like you know i didn't have to lift a finger i'd fucking turn around and the the team manager standing there with my water bottle like fucking you know just fucking know what i wanted sort of thing like so like going to that you know was pretty hard because my first experience was like i fucking traveled all the way to scotland get to scotland fucking can't rent a rental car because i'm underage they told me yeah there's a rental car there for you to be picked mm -hmm. up fucking you know turn that up old, you have to wait three chestnut. hours until someone else yeah that old chestnut <laughs> so <laughs> like there. you know just from there like the experience yeah the experience didn't fucking sit with me that well i mean like the partying and just shit like that just like really really took its toll and like i just couldn't handle it eh? so yeah i have experienced that and i mean the people on there were good like don't get me wrong like everyone was good and like you know good teammates but just like i guess the whole vibe and the way the team was structured was not really what i was after i was sort of after you know results i'd fucking train my ass off to you know because i had a new team i was like fuck yeah sick new team new beginning like yeah, i'm gonna work my ass off to you know be a top mm. top five rider and get to the first world cup and i'm like holy fuck like i felt like i was riding this fucking bike that gave me arthritis <laughs> <laughs> that's so good well other people doing good on it well, I mean, before that was the Atherton's who were riding it and like, it was a bike that was developed around them and, you know, mm. my riding style to their riding style is so different. So like, and it was outdated as well. And like, I mean, Martin Mays was an exception, you know, he fucking is an unreal rider and was able to ride that bike, you know, really well. But, um, you know, he'd been on that since day one of his riding career. So like, you know, mm. he was pretty used to that, but I think, um, yeah, we, when we were, when we hopped on it, you know, we started realizing like the what it was doing and how it was riding. Like, fuck, I'd go into a race run and I'd be like, "Fuck, am, am I going to make it down the track today, or was like, <laughs> am I going to have a big crash?" Like, it was it was mental, and like, you know, getting to the bottom and finishing a run was an achievement. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I definitely had that experience. Yeah, that's probably that's probably not the headspace you want to be in at a World Cup no definitely not bro <laughs> sitting in the start gate like fucking wondering what what today's gonna bring you <laughs> <laughs> so like why why sign with a team that or like do you get a chance to ride the bike before you sign on a team like that or well i i didn't actually because we were meant to sign a game with trick but trick sort of pulled out last minute so i was like sort of fucking left with no option and gt mm. were looking for something so i was like you know like the contract was good and I didn't know how the bike rode. I was like, fuck, well, you know, if the Atherton's can win on that bike, then surely I can do something on it. So I wasn't too worried. 
and then I got a bike in January, like start of 16, and, you know, won a couple of nationals, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is all right. Fucking, you get in, it's a whole nother story. It's like, fucking hell, you know, just like going from New Zealand racing to world-level racing was a whole nother story. Mm. So I didn't, you know, like I didn't really have an idea of like, what the bike was going to be like because i you know kind of just sort of thought yeah these guys you know they can win on it so why can't i mm. would you do that again like would you sign to a team without riding the bike again nowadays i'd probably yeah well nowadays to be honest most bikes are pretty good like i don't yeah, think that's you could go said. wrong with with cho choosing a good bike but yeah from my from my experience i definitely would you know make sure that i got a bike sent out that i could try mm. but yeah bikes these days they're all fucking pretty good yeah that thing that you're on now seems pretty sick yeah it's a really nice bike it fucking rides really good yeah yeah it's um what what was the deal with the party and like was that the actual team itself like all of them just loved the fucking party or was it like the riders on the team what's the deal there that just seems bizarre. well it was just like yeah it was just like sort of like the I guess the the way they were sort of approaching the World's Cup because they wanted to approach it with a different way, like sort of a fun vibe. So like, yeah, we got a thousand euros each weekend for piss and a barbecue, and like fucking everyone would just come around and eat food and drink all the. <laughs> can you can you hear me now, bro? Yeah, good, yeah, boy. Sweet, sweet, yeah, boy. Yeah, you're back. Sorry about that. No, you're good. Um. Yeah, so like the team manager, he just loves fucking partying. He just loves drinking. So yeah, we fucking like the first race was so gnarly. Like with the team, like first race, first big race, fucking win. Had a concussion. Like we all did pretty shit because of weather wise and blah blah blah. Um, anyway, it was like fucking first party. So we went out with a bang. Like fucking win was on the piss with a fucking head injury. Like stupid <laughs> as, and then yeah it was gnarly like fuck we got so pissed and then we had to travel to america the next day we were up at like three in the morning and fucking my teammate was driving the car still half cut like fucking you know just like i'm sitting there like fucking with my eyes wide open making just like driving in a straight line and fucking get to the airport like don't know where to drop the rental car off we just fucking leave the rental car and like these fucking underground car parks with the keys sitting there like it was a fucking disaster bro like we were just like yeah this is fucking yeah, this isn't good and then like you know kind of sort of carried on like sort of slowed down with it and like you know i just fucking turn up the next day and the pits would be fucking turned upside down grass broken everywhere it was mental fucking hell dude <laughs> that would have been an experience to go through that shit yeah and that was like pretty much for a whole year and then we were like yeah no we can't keep doing this so like you need something needs to stop so yeah i've never really fucking opened up about it but you know there's always a time and place and i feel like fucking you know you've asked me the question so why not open up about it eh? <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's so gnarly to, to to think that you know that can be like a like a team environment and i mean it'd yeah. be hard it'd be hard to i'm like you know it's easy to sit here and be like fuck that's crazy that's stupid but like when someone's giving you that cash and it's just like okay and you know you're not gonna get fired then it's just like fuck it'd be sort of hard to not do it yeah exactly bro and like fuck you know we had like yeah good barbecues and it was just like sort of like you know getting 
all the teams around and like fucking coming over and having a beer and a barbecue, but like a beer and a barbecue never turned out to be in a beer and a barbecue. It turned out to always be a big fucking party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But oh. no, nah, it was, I mean like a couple of, a couple of them were good, but like not for a whole season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like, and when you're putting in like, well, did it affect your training? Like, did you just start going like, ah, oh, fuck it. You don't have to do as good or like, I don't know. Cause it, it'd well, be hard to have it not affect you in that way too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was like all about trying to fucking, you know, put, put aside that the bike wasn't working for me and like try race and do, do my best I could. But like, then again, I was like, fuck, you know, I'll just fucking have a drink to down my sorrows. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, it never really, never really affected my training. Cause like, you know, I'm pretty strong minded of like being able to fucking, you know, go out the next day and do a ride if I'd been on the fucking piss the yeah. night before, etc. So like, yeah, that never really affected me, but you know, like by the end of the season, I was over it. I was like, "Fuck this!" I, you know, I was like pretty much to the point where I was like, you know, I would rather fucking buy myself out of this contract and go somewhere else, or ride a different bike. Like I was to the point where, you know, going from a top ten rider to not getting any results pretty hard, and like, you know, mm. I just wanted to be back there, back where I was. And like, you know, those two years passed and then I re-signed with my team that I'd been riding with previously that I'm riding with now. And I fucking turn up to the first World Cup and fastest time, fastest in time practice, fastest qualifier, was probably going to win the race and had a fucking massive crash and broke my collarbone. But like, that was just, you know, like, sort of like everyone was sort of doubting me, like, oh, fuck mm. this guy, you know, you can't get results anymore like you know g g could get results on this bike and i'm like yeah but fuck that's g not me like i'm a totally different rider to him mm. and then like turn up to croatia and sort of fucking shut all those critics up yeah yeah it's crazy how fickle an industry can be in just like one year of you know not not getting the results but i suppose yeah you definitely you, you throw in like the party thing into the conversation and i mean even here like a bunch of people are shitting on jats right now because they're like oh jats are just fucking partying and carrying on and it's like dude there's no racing like there's nothing to do and people you know even in a time where there's no racing people are still just so down to just shit on people and like yeah expect that you can't have any fun or that if you if you get fucked up ever you're done like oh it must be over never gonna do good again I know, yeah. I don't know why people fucking think like that, bro. They're just so small-minded, eh? Like, they think because they live a fucking, you know, you know, a normal life, nine-to-five job, that they can go out and drink on the weekend and fucking get on the piss. Like, they don't think that we can do that either. They think that that probably affects us, you know, our training, our riding. But, like, you know, we're, we're just, we're normal people. We're just like them as well. So, you know, all that sort of shit, you know, kind of just relates to, like, you know, we can do whatever we want too. Mm. what what's the industry like uh, in in the the hole nowadays because like the party thing's fucking gone in moto like it's just that doesn't really i mean i when i first moved to america and you'd go out after races like you'd see you'd see a few boys there and there'd be definitely some dudes sending it and even after the races like there'd be and i'm just talking like anaheim three you know not like vegas or the end or, or parlor and you'd sort of see those guys out but like these days it's just done it just seems like the pressure from 
you know, the industry and sponsors and everything to like be, have this professional look is just pretty much killed that. Is that the same in mountain bikes or does it still sort of exist a bit? Cause like, dude, I remember like I grew up in the, the mud cows generation, bro. Like watching fucking Cedric, Cedric Gracia and, and you know, Steve Pete oh, and all yeah. those boys just fucking, uh, just like absolutely yeah, yeah, sending it constantly. Yeah, hotels upside down, fucking yep. putting cheers through the wall. I mean, obviously it's changed a lot now. Like you can't do that. You'd be in fucking some serious trouble. But, you know, those got OG, like fucking they get away with that shit. But I mean, like nowadays, you know, like fuck, we still fucking have a party and, you know, fucking get on the piss after a race. Because like, you know, it's so stressful, like fucking preparing yourself for that final race run is so much stress and like to be able to sit down and fucking enjoy a beer and fucking you know get on the piss like that really i feel like it really helps like just fucking you know Mm. just fucking being able to relax and like take your mind off fucking what you've just done and racing a bike like i feel like it's it's good like you do it we sort of like made a rule on our team like if you know someone got on the podium that we'd get on the piss and celebrate but you know fucking that never really stuck to it you know you come to fucking the likes of mount st Anne or andorra where there's always a good party and we'd be like fuck after the race we'd be like yeah boys we're on we're gonna go, we're gonna go get wasted <laughs> the um, the thing too but is yeah. that like i mean fuck oh sorry bro yeah sorry i think it was just lagging no, go ahead. I, I didn't say anything bro um yeah no nah, sure, i could hear the lag catching up um the the crazy thing is man is that like you guys are wild as fuck like to be able to start at the top of a hill and then the bottom of a hill like it'd take me fucking eight minutes to get down takes you mad cunts three so it's like yeah. there's some different shit going on and it's like what we're like paying to see you know the people that are paying their entry fee and like or you know sitting up on the uci uh app late at night to watch is like we're paying to watch like wild cunts do wild shit and then it's yeah. like and then you expect that those same wild people that do this wild shit want to go to bed at 9 30 and read a fucking book <laughs> it's like it just probably doesn't, <laughs> yeah, it probably no, doesn't make happen. sense <laughs> but they're it like yeah, that's no, the I'm expectation really. right well yeah for sure for sure and like i mean like yeah i guess like some teams are like that but like fuck my team's pretty mellow and like they'll let us get on the piss they won't be like oh no nah, boys you can't go out tonight like like we're 28 29 year olds like you, you can't be telling those telling people like us like no nah, you can't go out boys like you you know that's yeah. the day like i just feel like i feel like you gotta limit live a normal life as well and like you know when all that sort of shit you know like you fucking have a bad race or you have a good race you definitely want to go out and celebrate and like enjoy the you know the what you've done that day like i just feel like it's like sort of takes the edge off of of racing and you know being able to be a normal person again yeah 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 no it makes sense um so what's this half marathon thing you guys are doing <laughs> fucking idiot eh? he came up with this idea the other day he was like ring me up he's like oh oh no he actually sent me this photo i was like what the fuck he sent me this photo of his hallway or his bedroom and he's got like fucking himself fucking photoshopped into this like marathon runner and he was like, yeah, bro, I'm going to run half a marathon in my, my room. 
And I was like, fuck, bro. Like, I thought about it. I was like, fuck, there's no way I'm doing this. Like, my room's eight meters long. And then I gave it a thought a couple of days. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, make a make a um, GoFundMe page and raise some money. I was like, fuck, I could actually, I'll, I'll actually be keen to do this. So I jumped on board and, like, we've got him, me, um, Charlie Murray and Anton Cooper, who's a cross-country racer, um, all on board. So, like, we've got, um, I think we've got about three and a half grand now, like, raised for um, the Westpac rescue helicopter and the spinal unit i was at so yeah, yeah we're just gonna sick. split the funds and and give it give it to them and we're gonna run fucking 21k in our bedroom so, so how many how many he's <laughs> <laughs> a dickheads how many, <laughs> how many laps is that so have you calculated how far like how many back and forward you've got to go or like or you wearing a fucking well, apple watch or how are you doing it yeah no we just i just kind of stepped it out and i think uh charlie he's he's done a k he's run a k and a k took him he, he said he did it pretty quickly he ran pretty fast k took him a minute just over a minute wow um no sorry sorry not a minute uh, not a k 100 meters oh yeah and um and yeah so i think we're going to do about 2600 and something laps maybe a little more yeah She's gonna be fucking hard. <laughs> and have you have you started or what? No, we start on Saturday. We're gonna start oh. at seven thirty in the morning. Oh, so you're doing it all in like one go, all together? Yeah, all all in one go, bro. Oh, dude, that sounds fucking rad. <laughs> Count me out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna be. A eh? it's oh. gonna be a big day. How, how's your body with like running and stuff like are you pretty much back to normal where like you just feel fine now from the injury or like is there any residual shit that carries over or yeah pretty pretty much back to normal now bro like i've still got a little bit of nerve damage in my feet like my still my tip of my toes are like a, a little bit numb like i can still feel them but um yeah the tips of them like is you know like the best example i can explain is like you know when you sleep on your arm and you wake up and you fucking tingly arm yep. and you like go like this to like get that feeling back that's what my toes feel like mm. um so it's a little bit weird but yeah other than that pretty much it's back to normal like i still get a little bit of um like lower back pain just from having my rods in which like you know where i was fused was quite low down so like i use my lower back a lot a lot more um mm. with being fused so i kind of get a bit of pains there but other than that, everything is pretty good. And like, yeah, I've done, I would have run like probably 50 meters since my accident. So like, I actually really don't know how I'm going to get on running 21K. <laughs> it's going to suck a bag, I reckon. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh. And I mean, like, like, you can see like, that's where, that's the door where I'm going to run to right there. Oh. And like, I'm pretty much sitting at the other end of the, under the other end of the wall. So what have you got like a game plan? You got a strategy? You got like some music? You got what? Are you just full? I'm gonna, gonna go, we're gonna go it? live. I'm in a I'm in a mad dog. We're gonna go live and like yeah, people can throw their answers or you know whatever at us and we'll just be yeah chugging along. Damn dude! And how are you just gonna measure it? Like, do you, are you just gonna calculate how many laps you got to do? Well, I'll try to try to try to hit up Garmin to see if they could give us some watches to you know. Mm. to to um do it but haven't heard from them so 
I might just use my um, Garmin computer for my bike if I don't get anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it should be should be pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You could probably, if you put yeah. your phone on you as well, but your phone would be... Yeah. Yeah, you could you could figure out a way to do it. Or you... Because, yeah, like, you'd lose count of the laps unless you had, like, a clicker, which that would oh, get Oh, for old. sure, bro. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> so what's, um, so what's your... So, What's your uh, 2021 plans? Just fucking back to back to old bulldog, just dominating. Yeah, that's the that's the plan, bro. Obviously, I'm going to be healthy, so like I'll be able to get proper training in. Um, yeah, my contract's up at the end of this year, but I'm going to hopefully, well, hopefully, I'm um, so hopefully I'm going to re-sign with the team I'm with now. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. And yeah, just just uh, try yeah get back to the yeah the old bulldog and yeah be be consistent again i feel like you know i've learned a lot over these this last year myself and you know i feel like i'm probably going to be a better racer um yeah so yeah just all de- i guess all depending on what this coronavirus does too like it's kind of you know up in the here i mean april's a long way away so you know a lot of things can change by then so hopefully for the good we can get back to some normality and and box again properly yeah 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 i mean fuck like i mean they pulled it off this time around though so i mean i'm sure yeah that they'll be able to sort of do it again but hopefully you know you can get back to racing and i suppose if you've got to deal with all the security and all the masks and shit at least you're probably a little bit more mentally prepared for it this year um, yeah exactly this year bro. coming up yep. but yeah it's just crazy yep, to think definitely. that like that shit could just be the new normal now you know i know it is it's crazy bro like I just always I think about it now and I'm like fuck why why can't we just go back to being normal like you know it's just a I feel like it's just a bad case of a flu but it's just the name of the the whole thing like what it's been called and you know I guess the approach of it all I feel like there's so much behind scenes of of it all like you know fuck there's so much money to be made and everything like you know hand sanitizers masks all that sort of shit like fucking crazy yeah yeah i don't fuck i just don't know where i i don't know where i'm at with all of it eh? and i'm just pretty much just trying to be a fucking hermit and burly and not really do too much <laughs> you know what i mean because like yeah it's so hard to know what's actually going on oh definitely i mean I, you know with your podcast it's probably probably pretty good because you can get people from around where you live and you mm. know the likes of us on there as well but you know obviously fucking need other things to survive too so like it's just sort of everything's kind of up in the air eh? mm. yeah man i've actually been super lucky i reckon to be able to get the guests that i've had on like through the time period like it's probably i mean it's definitely different than if there wasn't any coronavirus but it's probably made me work a bit harder to get get good yeah. guests and and like even just prioritize like what a good guest even is you know like it's sort of for sure it's about yeah. who the bigger you know the biggest sort of number is and um and yeah. yeah i think the other thing too that's been cool through this is it's made me appreciate like the community of gypsy tales more not yep. just you yep. know definitely not just right. the, the guests themselves but more like the people that actually listen like there's so many fucking gangsters that, <laughs> that are like full in the gypsy gang you know yeah it's sick bro like fucking like I was telling you the other day, like that Renee Gracie podcast, bro. Fuck me, that was such a good listen. Like, 
you know, two hours, like, fuck, someone's going to be like, who wants to listen to a two-hour podcast? But, you know, you do someone good and, like, someone's interesting, someone's going to listen to that and, like, it's fucking crazy. Like, that chick is mental, bro. Like, yeah. fucking who would, who would have ever thought, like, some chick and OnlyFans is making 250k a month minimum. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so hectic, eh? I think I need to fucking do OnlyFans, eh? Because I ain't making shit. I know, bro. Like, it did, like, I, I actually fucking, when I listened to that podcast, I was like, it was running through my head, like, fucking OnlyFans. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, should I hit my missus up? And, like... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know what's... like, fuck, it's mad, like... Dude, and there's so many fucking chicks that do it now too to where like I'm just I can see it becoming like this new normal where you're like going to parties and you hook up with a chick and then you like let's say you're just gonna fuck this chick at a party or whatever. She got OnlyFans and she's just like, Wait, let's just film it and like you are doing these like Yeah, you wanna make twenty grand? Yeah, I'll give you some cash, like, you know, or <laughs> here, I'll suck your dick, but can you film it? Like in the same way that a chick asks you to take a selfie for her. Like at a, Yeah, you know, yeah, bro. Shit's gonna get It weird. seems like that, like and like just it seems like fucking there's so many chicks out there with OnlyFans now. Hectic, eh? Yeah, but that was a good listen. And I want to listen to that. Um, I think it's uh, what's his name, Troy. Troy Candy. Troy Candy. Yeah, I want yeah. to know. Yeah, I was checking that dude's Instagram out. He looks like a fucking looks like a boy. Yeah, yeah, he's a bit of a lad, eh? I've never. Uh, yeah, like, I, I just don't really get on the piss that much more these days because of my kidney. But like, fuck, he'd be pretty fun yeah. to go out with, I reckon. Yeah, it looks like he'd be a funny fucker to go out with. Has he has he made his money in like social media? Nah, also because all those fucking strawpedo things. Yeah, those strawpedo things, pretty much. Um, but before that, he um, he had that uh, what's it called? Um, Eye Candy Motorsports. So it's kind of like a West Coast Customs type of deal. So like he does okay. like bulk people's cars, man. Right, sick. Fuck, that's cool. Yeah, no, he's a fucking, like, I got, I actually had a friend of mine, um, Jack Simpson. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jack Simpson, but he raced, like, nah. Fink, Fink and stuff like that. He used to be, like, one of the good okay. dudes. And I was, the, he's the sickest kind ever. Like, he's a fucking legend. And, um, and yeah. anyway, he hit me up and he was like, oh, you got to get Troy Candy on your podcast. Like, he's a mate of mine. And um, he's just moved up there. And I literally followed him on Instagram like two days before he did the podcast. So I hadn't even really... No way. Yeah, yeah. Didn't... didn't yeah, just wasn't <laughs> really across it. But yeah, he's a fucking super nice dude. Like you could uh, you could probably make a judgment on him based on Instagram. And, you know, if you followed yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But, but like, nah, fucking nicest, nicest dude. And some people like you do the podcast with and they're, they're sort of just smoke bomb after, you know, like they'll post a couple of things, but they're not, not like that down to keep talking to you and, you know, actually being yeah. a homie, but he's like a fucking G, you know, like he'll sort of hit you up all the time. That's right? cool, so, bro. Yeah. I figured that he, he was like, had his head switched on, was a nice guy from when I had a look on his Instagram. Mm. Yeah. It's fucking, uh, it's cool too. Like, you know, a lot of people sort of look up to that to that dude and you know you can talk about some pretty cool shit like i think just yeah. so many so many people are caught up in the whole instagram thing these days and it's good to have a guy that is like deep in that world tell everybody like oh it doesn't mean shit yeah for sure yeah it was like what renee was saying as well like from what she was saying she she said that she couldn't give a shit about her social media like 
you know, if it fell off the face of uh, Earth tomorrow, she'd still be, you know, like pretty, pretty well sorted. Mm. Dude, she's um, she's renting like she's about to come out with her own podcast with her and her friend, and um, sick. Yeah, she's renting the studio, so she's in here every week now, and she actually doesn't give a fuck. Like she is a full on G that chick. Like you know, a yeah. lot of people. A lot of people say like, oh yeah, I don't give a fuck. I got no fucks to give. Like they give you that that old treatment. Yeah. But a lot of people do. And like she actually doesn't care. Like it's pretty sick watching her. You know, like you just watch someone move, like the way that they deal with business and the way that they talk yep. about things. And you can just like pick up on it's like that's how they operate. And she's one of those chicks. Yeah. Just like not many yeah, figured, chicks operate like her. I figured like that from. Yeah, I figured that from listening to her, and she was just like, yeah, she didn't give a fuck about anything, eh? Hmm. Yeah, not, I, like talking about the supercar racing and go kart racing with all the dudes and shit. She'd like fucking. I like how she was like, "Yeah, I just tell the dads to fuck off," and shit like that. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, I'm gonna get Eddie on, dude. But um, yeah, yeah thanks, bro. thanks so much for hanging out. We've we've been wanting to do no one of these for a while, and I still want to get you in the studio at some point. Hopefully, yeah, yeah hopefully when, when things get normal, bro. I'll I'll definitely make the trip over, and we'll we'll get in the get in the studio. Yeah, dude, I'd love that, and we'll do some riding and shit. I want to. Um, I'm keen to get back to New Zealand too as soon as possible. So, yeah, boy. Yeah, we'll we'll line it up when you come back over. Fucking night, boy. Sweet brother. Well, good good chatting to you, and uh, cheers cheers for that, eh? Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no dramas, and I'll um I'll stay tuned on Saturday. I'll give you give you me uh give you some <laughs> encouragement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking tune in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, legend. I'll talk to you soon. Sick. See you, bro. Bye. See you, bro.